0: The University of Johannesburg, the future reimagined. Hello and welcome to our podcast series, Innovative Research at the University of Johannesburg. The podcasts are hosted by the University of Johannesburg Library and my name is Professor Maria Frommer. I'm also the Executive Director of the Library and the host of these podcasts. Our series so far has been looking at innovative and interesting research around COVID-19. And today it's my great pleasure to welcome our guest, Prof. Salita who is in the School of Economics at the University of Johannesburg. She specializes in well-being economics and quality of life studies. She has a keen interest in the fourth industrial revolution and its applications. She has developed the first real-time happiness index, making use of big data. This has led to her becoming the founder and director of the Gross National Happiness Today project. Prof. Kraling, thank you so much for making time to be with us today. Your research sounds fascinating, and I think we need to start by asking, what is a happiness index? And how on earth do you create a happiness index using big data?
1: Maria, thank you for the invitation. And that is really a very important question. So what is a happiness index and why do we need a happiness index? Let's start with why do we need to know if people are happy or not? Especially, see, I'm coming from an economics background and... um, then the first thing I want to tell you is happiness has got so many meanings. From an economist's point of view, it is not the happiness that we see in psychology, where it's the, maybe the opposite of being depressed. In this case, it's more about well-being. So the happiness, the context is well-being or wealth. Now, in the past, you would have measured the success or the prosperity of an economy based on income or the growth in GDP. But lately, there has been a whole movement to say, but money is not everything, there's much more to love. And that is then where the well-being comes in. And the well-being is a multidimensional concept, which then also includes health, education, and social relationships. But the point is, how do you measure this? It's quite a difficult if there's so many dimensions. Now you can build an index measuring all of those, or you can just easily ask a person. How satisfied are you with your life in general? And then from that answer, we found it's very closely correlated to a person's well-being. So so in other words, the well-being in the different dimensions. So this is the route we're following. We call it a happiness index, but actually one should call it a well-being index. And we're actually looking more at the mood and the sentiment of people judging them how happy or how well they are. Um, and that is where we created the happiness index. The problem with measuring something like life satisfaction is normally you would use a survey. Now, as soon as you speak about a survey, it means people must go and go around, ask questions. And the feedback on a survey is normally, it takes two years if you don't expedite it like during the COVID. So normally you can't wait two years to um, analyze the mood of people, especially during a time like COVID. So what we did is we moved to big data and big data is available real time, the whole time. Um, We used Twitter, uh, Twitter to extract tweets and from the tweets we do use natural language processing, which is a machine learning, basically, um, where we analyze the sentiment of those tweets. Then we use algorithms and we derive a happiness index, which reflects the happiness of South Africa, the mood of South Africans. And nowadays, we also measure it in 10 other countries at real time.
0: So in other words, you are tracking people's tweets um, how do you get hold of these tweets and that sort of data? We
1: extract it real time. So we've got a contract with Twitter and we extract every tweet made in South Africa at real time. As people tweet, we extract it. So we've got enormous systems in place, um, costing us a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, imagine all the your tweets. Yes, um, seeing that we are doing it for 10 countries, most of them European countries because they couldn't do it. So they actually came to South Africa and said, can you please help us with this? We need real-time data. And we're running very big systems to be able to give the real-time happiness in, as I said,
0: 10 countries at this stage. That sounds fascinating. Um, I'd like to know a little bit more about the mood in South Africa around COVID. Could you tell us what people are saying and feeling?
1: Well, our main studies, and we did quite a few papers, many of them published already, was related to COVID and then the mood, the emotions, the well-being of people around COVID. So during COVID, um, the different studies that we did, some of them concentrated on South Africa. Uh, Then we had a study on New Zealand. Then we had a comparison between South Africa, Australia and New Zealand. And what we found during all of those studies is with the lockdown, COVID already introduced quite a negative impact on emotions and happiness. But with the lockdowns, we saw a severe and significant decrease in happiness in all of those countries. So this is something globally that happened with the lockdown, with the regulations that were imposed on people's freedom of mobility, and depriving them of many other things, we definitely saw a negative effect on
0: happiness. That's very interesting and links to some interesting studies that I've been looking at over the last couple of weeks uh, that have been looking at young people, especially people in tertiary education, and their sense of isolation, depression and unhappiness during lockdown. And um, it sort of resonates with what you have been saying. Um, Could you tell us what are some of the key things that people have been struggling with during lockdown? Well, I can
1: only relate to our studies. The study that we did in South Africa, we introduced the measures that were introduced by lockdown. For example, lack of mobility, um, the fact that you had to work from home, the fact that you couldn't buy alcohol or tobacco um, and children could not go to school. And what we found after econometric modelling with various models, um, we found that there was a statistically significant effect on happiness and it was negative related to which means that the fact that you couldn't get tobacco the fact that you couldn't get any alcohol the fact that children couldn't go to school meant that they were unhappier than before the interesting finding there was the fact that people stayed at home had a positive relationship so the fact that people stayed at home actually made them happier but then excluding those it is um, you look at one impact of one variable. So you don't look at the um, the effect that the other things had, Like social isolation would have decreased their happiness. But the pure fact of staying at home actually had a positive effect on happiness.
0: That's very interesting. Could you tell us a little bit more about comparisons between New Zealand, Australia and South Africa, where there are a lot of or were there some interesting differences?
1: We did a specific paper and research study comparing these three countries and this gives us a very interesting case study because these three countries are very, very diverse in every way you can think of. The size of the economies with New Zealand being really small, only 5.5 million people Australia around about 25 million and South Africa almost 58 million people. And then also the d- different levels of economies. Um, New Zealand's got very low levels of unemployment and it's got a steady growth of around about 2%. Australia's levels of unemployment is a little bit higher. New Zealand 4%, Australia around about 7%. Um, it grows also around about 2% Australia. And then compared to South Africa, which is completely on the other side of the spectrum, um, we had negative growth at stages. At the end of last year, we had a 0.2% growth at uh, 2019. So we all were already in a recession when COVID hit, which worsened everything. Our unemployment rate is, you I mean, you can't even describe it. It is 32%, and that is very... That's being positive. Yeah, it's actually much more if we think of people that did get despondent, stopped looking for jobs. So you can compare these economies, and not just that, it's also about the strictness of the regulations that were imposed during lockdown. New Zealand had very strict regulations, and they immediately jumped onto this. And when the first COVID case came out, they had a very strict lockdown. Similar to South Africa, and also around right about the same dates, um, New Zealand locked down 26 March, South Africa 27 March. And the lockdown regulations were also very similar, with the exception that South Africa was even stricter than New Zealand because they banned alcohol sales, tobacco, and we were not allowed to exercise outside. Now, those are your stress relievers. It's exercise and then look of your social connections, which goes. Hand in hand with alcohol use within limits. So if you look at the severity of the lockdown, it was South Africa by the most severe, followed by New Zealand. And then Australia, interesting because it's a federal state. The different governments or the different federal states did different lockdown regulations. Some of them never locked down. On the 29th of March, They sort of recommended stay at home, don't go to work. So there was never a severe lockdown. So we used these three countries and we pulled the data and we did our econometric modeling. And what we found is it doesn't matter what we did. We found that lockdown caused a severe unhappy effect in all of these countries. Never mind the economy, the characteristics, the strictness of the lockdown, it had a negative effect.
0: That's so interesting, even though the lockdowns were different.
1: That's correct.
0: So it means, and then what we did further is we ran a
1: a second model and actually looked at the happiness cost of the lockdowns, looking at the different strictness of the regulations. And we found the stricter the regulations the bigger the happiness cost. So with South Africa, we had the most severe cost in happiness or well-being, And actually South Africa was the country that could least afford it. And um, Australia had the the weakest effect. The effect size was the
0: smallest. That is so interesting. And I think resonates with quite a lot of us and our experiences. So from all of this, what do you suggest should be done in South Africa to improve our happiness um, in our country?
1: At this stage, and but initially when we just had COVID, the discussion was to decrease lockdown measures. And I think that many people found the same effect is if you can lift the lockdown within reason, because the reason we locked down was to curb the spread of COVID. And we must always remember that is really important, but the lockdown measures should not be that severe. The economy must have the, must be able to continue and grow, especially seeing that we're already in a recession. So the lockdown measures must be, they must be thought through very clearly. Um, It must be logical, it must make sense, people must understand the reasons for the lockdown so that you get a positive emotion from the people that will encourage or support the lockdown regulations. At the moment, we see actually quite a good increase in happiness. So our initial studies was only up to the middle of last year, or not the middle, round about the middle. But now we are measuring happiness real time, and we're almost back to the levels of happiness that we were before COVID. So we're, back. we're actually at a new normal, if we can call that that, uh, COVID normal, um, with happiness levels almost recovered to levels before COVID. That is so interesting.
0: The last question I have for you is around the vaccine. Has the data shown anything around people's understanding of the vaccine, fear in the va- of the vaccine, or trust in the vaccine? We are currently busy with
1: this study based on, and it's about the trust and fear and the well being around the vaccine. So, the emotions which fee- people feel towards the vaccine. Very interesting that we found is um, we are including all 10 countries into this analysis, and we find a very a divide between the North and the South. The South, then including New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia, and the North. Many Germany, France, Belgium, the Netherlands, um, France, I don't know, Italy, Spain. And we see the emotions are very different, but this we only measured up to February this year. Um, We see in South Africa or the southern countries, um, Southern Hemisphere, quite a negative feeling about the the, um, vaccine. And what we found is trust issues. Then we had so many. Um, anti-vaccine propaganda, which was spread around Facebook, and that made people very fearful to receive the vaccine. We didn't find the same in the northern hemisphere. They had a much more positive emotion about the vaccines. Um, I would love to see what happened now with AstraZeneca's implications and what happened in Europe. But that analysis will follow in the next next few months to see exactly what happened to their emergence around vaccines with the effect that the deaths had after the um, AstraZeneca's
0: vaccinations. Professor Talita Grelin, thank you so much for your time. It has been a fascinating conversation and um, we look forward to chatting to you again and hearing how your research is progressing. To all our listeners, thank you for listening to this podcast, and we hope that you stay well and stay safe. The University of Johannesburg, the future reimagined.